television has been omnipresent in my life. So many of my personal quirks, my references, my inside jokes, and my memories stem from that magical glowing box. Being invited to explore the lives, stories, and secrets of imaginary characters, solve imaginary mysteries, and fall in love with imaginary people is addictive, and a lot of the time, for me, cathartic. It helps me realize that people have a lot in common, that we're not very different from one another, and that characters, and in real life their writers, are dealing with the same things I am. Television quickly became an obsession for me, and I devoured content at a rate that is honestly unsustainable and unhealthy. There was a period of time where I would watch every aired pilot of every new series. I followed several shows, and I prided myself in being able to suggest a show to anyone based solely on their personality. And I would, often, and I'm sure it was annoying. With the advent of Netflix and the insane number of channels and companies producing fictional content, it soon became impossible to keep up with it all. I am an obsessive, but I'm also lazy, so I decided that if, if I couldn't keep up, I would just stop trying. And all of that led to me being very picky about what I choose to watch. I'm not going to waste my time on something that I won't enjoy. And it is a waste of time. You can't take hours out of my day without entertaining me, or pushing me, or giving me something to think about, or I will be very upset with you. So in order to protect the limited hours in my day from bad television, I became an expert at reading a synopsis, seeing the cast and the writer's names, and deciding if the show was worth it. And I got very good at that. But there is one genre of television that I will watch, sight unseen, no matter what, despite any warning signs. I will watch it, and I will love it, even when it's clear that it's going to be trash. I will always give it a chance, because it's perfect television. So let's talk about that. But first, disclaimer time! This is not a review show! I am nerd incorrect. I'm passionate, opinionated, highly subjective, and so many, 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 many times incorrect. I have to repeat, this is not a review show. I'm not going to objectively weigh any piece of art on any merits. What I will do is explore the things that make entertainment beautiful and explore the art created for us to consume while we live our lives. Thank you for joining me while I explore the adventures we have from inside the house. I'm uncool, I'm the Urk on everyone's Bill Murray. I've been broke in every sense of the word. And I, I keep chasing my next high score Issues galore, I'm a walking, talking magazine We all know that nobody reads What's the use in words when they don't even understand me? Welcome to The Adventures We Have From Inside the House A podcast about entertainment, how and why we consume it, and how it shapes our lives and more importantly, a podcast that celebrates the things you like, even if nobody else does. My name is Tim Riel, and I am Nerding Correct, the boy who loves entertainment of every kind and always seems to fall in love with the properties and art that don't always follow the crowd. I once tried to explain to a friend of mine that my favorite genre of television was something weird and a lady cop solve crime. 
It's typically a crime procedural type show with a case of the week setup, but this show is different than a regular crime procedural show. It's a show where a cop type person, a police officer or a detective or a PI or a special agent, will get teamed up with someone who is not a cop type person. And more importantly, has no business doing police work. Drama and or hilarity ensue. My friend argued with me that this couldn't be classified as a genre because there aren't enough of those types of shows. He's wrong. There's a lot of them. It's a thing. Here are some of my faves. Castle, a best-selling novelist and a lady cop solve crime. Private Eyes, a former hockey player and a lady cop solve crime. The Mentalist, a former psychic and a lady cop solve crime. Carter, an actor who played a cop on TV and a lady cop solve crime. Limitless, a guy who takes drugs and a lady cop solve crime. The Finder, a war vet with a brain injury and a lady cop solve crime. I could go on. So I will. Blacklist, the CIA's most wanted criminal and a lady cop solve crime. Sleepy Hollow, the headless horseman and a lady cop solve crimes. Forever, a 200-year-old immortal who, for some reason, happens to be a medical examiner right now and a lady cop solve crime. Blood Ties, a vampire and a lady cop solve crimes. The Dresden Files, a wizard and a lady cop solve crime. Lucifer, the devil and a lady cop solve crime. Of course, there are others that skew in the other gender direction. I Zombie, a lady zombie and a dude cop solve crime. Bones, a forensic anthropologist and a dude cop solve crime. Moonlighting, a model and a dude cop solve crime. Take Two, an actress who played a cop on TV and a dude cop solve crime. And sometimes, as TV has so often done, they don't even bother with a lady at all. White Collar, a con artist and a dude cop solve crime. Prodigal Son, a serial killer and his son cop solve crime. Before we get too deep into it, let me just lay out why this is my favorite kind of show. Television, for me, is a destination. It's a way for me to experience things and meet interesting people, but in an idealized setting, I get to meet all of these interesting, cool people without risking any of myself. A lot of shows strive for realism, to show the world as it actually is, and to attempt to show people as they actually are, good or bad, and not make anyone idealized or overly special. It's based in reality, and they want the show to be like looking out your window and seeing real life. Except the very nature of dramatized television makes that impossible. There are rules to television that can't be broken. In real life, coincidence happen all the time. You might see the same person three times in the same day in your real life, but that doesn't mean you know them, or that they know you, or that they will in any way be a part of your life ever. They probably just work nearby. But in TV, coincidences can't happen, because that's wasted pages in the narrative. The actor you see three times will be relevant to the plot, or you wouldn't see them at all. Characters are contained in the story so that every person relates in some way to the other, because having an outsider appear later on for no reason makes the plot unreasonable. It's wasted screen time and wasted money for the casting team. Everything you are shown on a television show will play 
It will be important. In script writing terms, this is called Chekhov's gun. It's the idea that there is never just a gun. If you see a gun, it has to play. Nobody just has a gun. It will be a plot point, and it'll be an important one. The end. Many shows try to hide these things and pretend that everything is real and natural and unforced using as many tricks as possible. But it is forced, and the viewer will eventually catch on to the fact that Breaking Bad is set in a city with a plot that crosses borders, but it only has 40 people in it, and they all know each other. You'll realize that at New Amsterdam, the patient that broke their ankle at the beginning of the show will have a rare blood type that makes them a liver match for the other patient in the episode. They're trying to be real, but they can't, because it also has to be a story. But something weird and a lady cop does not hide. They're too busy trying to convince you that it's normal for the character to be teamed up with a cop that they don't have time to hide the other exposition. If you watch the first season of this type of show, the structure of each episode will be so incredibly similar that for three quarters of the season, you'll watch an episode and wonder, haven't we already seen this episode? And you won't. It'll have been a new episode. But it's going to be, it's built the same way. It's just going to be built the same way. They got other shit to do. So they just use a cookie cutter for the mystery. And that's the familiarity that makes me love these shows. I can explain to you how every single one of these shows pilot episodes will run. And outside of some slight tweaks, this is going to be accurate. So take notes. The pilot episode will always have the something weird stumble into the case, either by being the victim, knowing the victim, being near the victim, or in the supernatural versions of this type of show, knowing that the case is supernatural in nature and having to convince the lady cop, who will not believe him, by the way, that this is a supernatural case in nature. Here's a list of other things that will also be true. The lady cop will want nothing to do with something weird. They will be annoyed by them and dislike their presence. The something weird will be funny and or sarcastic and everyone around the lady cop will like him. The something weird will also seem mostly dumb or annoying or confusing, but with a specific genius that will make them the only person to be able to piece the clues together to solve this crime. The crime will be easy to solve and the characters will only accuse the wrong person once. The lady cop will at some point be told by a lady colleague that they need to get laid. That same lady colleague will remark that the something weird is attractive and fun and that they would like to sleep with them. These two points will be separate from each other and neither character means that the lady cop should sleep with the something weird. Also, the lady colleague will in no way be interested in the something weird in any other scene for the rest of the show. The crime will be solved because the bad guy is left-handed. And that's not true, but it feels true, right? Like I just said that and you were like, yeah, yeah, that's true. And the actor you meet 10 minutes in that you swear you've seen on another show before, that's the bad guy. Yeah, that one's true. You're welcome. I just ruined mystery TV for you. At the end of the pilot episode, something weird is going to have enjoyed their taste of police work, but will seemingly go back to their regular life and forever be out of the lady cop's hair. Episode two, they get pulled back in! 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. This will be the mayor or the president or something dumb making the commissioner pair up the duo or something weird will pull some strings. Whatever it is, it's dumb and wouldn't actually happen in real life. And that's why it's great. The supporting cast is always made up of cool, interesting, quirky people. And that's what the show is actually about. There are crimes to solve, sure. But that's less important than hanging out with these characters and watching them grow and the bonds that they build. The show will focus on these characters and their bonds while the weekly mystery is only the thing they're doing while they develop these relationships. The first 10 episodes will see all the side characters be flat or one note for the most part. The weird goth coroner is going to be weird and gothy and that's going to be their whole character. The pretty man will be pretty he will know he's pretty, and being pretty will be the point of everything he says. The computer person will only talk about computers. Every other character will have a fun quirk, and that will be their whole identity for the first 10 episodes. This is so something weird and the lady cop can discover the hidden depths of each other and start to lose their preconceived notions. But by episode 10, the writers will have done the digging into the backstories and we'll know if this is a will-they-won't-they they type of relationship. Oh, and it will be, by the way, 100%. And now that we've discovered more about our main characters and their motivations and how their relationship is being set up, we can now talk about how the pretty man lost his father to cancer and how the computer person has an issue with sleeping pills but is overcoming it by being a volunteer and a mentor to kids. But for sure... The first thing you will know about them, their only character trait for 10 episodes, will be awesome and or fun, and it will make you like them. It's only if you get to season 2 that all the characters actually get to be real three-dimensional characters. After season 1, you get multi-episode arcs. You get life-threatening danger. The ME will date a serial killer that the team happens to be hunting. The pretty man's kid sister will be arrested for drugs and we'll follow that for four episodes and then we'll never see her again. It's so, so good. It's never going to be about the mystery. The focus of the show is, and will always be, let's hang out with these cool, interesting people for about an hour. Even when the show has the characters in danger from a mysterious bad person, it's not about that case or those clues. It's about the characters their relationship with each other, and how this affects them. The easiest way to build a character for a pilot episode for a show like this is to make them exceptional. They will be the best novelist, the best detective, the best baker. It's difficult and time-consuming to build a character with layers in 43 minutes, so instead, you let them be great at their thing, and let them be defined by that. It's easy to love great people, and more importantly, it's easy to understand that they're great. You don't have to put any more thought into it. They're great. So I can believe that they do the thing they say they can do. And so you can carry on, show. I'm following you. Let's get on with it. There will be a murder or two, but it won't be complicated. The crime isn't what the show is about. It will serve as a way to introduce us to the characters. There's not going to be a complicated motive. It's just a very basic mystery plot. The point of this episode is to build the characters. Go ahead, watch any of the pilots again, and you'll see that they follow the easiest of formulas. The murder happens. An investigation leads to the suspect due to evidence provided by the something weird. And that will turn out to be a red herring, but the something weird will be given something or hear something, and that will solve the case. No muss, 
no fuss. The real mystery will be the friends we made along the way. The lucky shows that make it past 12 episodes do so by making sure that they focus on character relationships. They keep it simple. They keep telling you that you like these people. The writers of ABC's Castle introduced both major characters in scenes designed perfectly to tell us as fast as possible who they were as people and what their motivations would be. Then they surrounded them with the supporting cast and had them each introduce who they were and their motivations. By the five minute mark of the pilot episode of Castle, you already know enough about Richard Castle, his mother, his daughter, his ex-wife, as well as Detective Beckett, Detective Ryan, and Detective Esposito to be able to move on with the rest of the story and watch them build relationships. Richard is a best-selling mystery author who is incredibly likable, very funny, and a joy to be around. You know this because the writers made sure that everyone on the show would comment to each other how incredibly funny, likable, and a joy to be around Richard was. The first scene with Richard Castle is a soiree filled with beautiful women, all dressed expensively, with champagne flowing, and the place is littered with the cover art of a new book. We cut to Richard Castle, expensive suit, watch, sunglasses, he's signing a fan's chest, and cracking wise. The opening scene lets us know that he's a millionaire playboy, a very successful writer, and focused on the joys of life. You know this before Richard has said more than five words. The exposition is simple and to the point, and that's why it's great. We know who he is. We meet his mother. She's flamboyant, she's into being a star, and she's looking to bag a rich husband. We meet his daughter, who's studying because she's a straight-laced and rule-following person, and is clearly a calming influence on Richard. After three pieces of dialogue with her, we know these things, and we also get a hint to the fact that Richard's brashness and playboy persona are mostly an act. Kate Beckett is a no-nonsense cop who is incredibly intelligent and career-driven to the point of neglecting her personal life. It takes five pieces of dialogue with her team to cover that. When we first see her, she's leading a team of detectives down a hallway, clearly in charge, and she starts explaining the murderer's motivations based on the scene of the crime. Detective Ryan exclaims that she sees more than anyone else all the time. And Detective Esposito announces that he prefers normal murderers because these weirdos mean overtime and he prefers to be done quickly and go home. Beckett disagrees and says this is the real job, getting into the murderer's headspace and figuring out their motivations. After the medical examiner comments that the victim's romantic night was ruined, Beckett says that's all of her Saturday nights, to which the M.E. Laney Chase says, maybe try lipstick. Done. 30 seconds and you know everything you need to know about Beckett and her team. This only works because the leads were made exceptional. We already understand them. We don't need to watch them get better at their job. We don't have to follow the struggles to accomplishment. We don't need to see them fail and start over again. They're good at this, and we know that. End of exposition. We also know about their supporting cast as well. This allows the writers to show us how fun and cool the characters are, and spend the rest of the show building bonds and relationships, because you already know they know what they're doing. This focus on character is never lost during the run of Castle, and by the end of the first season, you know and love every character. Once the season one hurdle has been cleared, they start focusing on plots and extended storylines for everyone else. Detective Ryan has issues, and his friendship with Esposito gets him through it, and they become like brothers. Castle's daughter needs to rebel from her rule-following ways to prove she's an adult. Laney and Esposito start dating in secret. 
There are conspiracy plots introduced, intrigue, hidden agendas, mid-season and end-season cliffhangers where main characters' lives are on the line. And it's all possible because we care about the people and their relationships. We keep coming back because of their bonds. Castle ran for eight seasons. The Mentalist on CBS did exactly the same thing. We meet each character, and within the opening 10 minutes, we know that Patrick Jane is a former psychic, he's wealthy, and he has a dark past that he's trying to come to grips with. And we know that Teresa Lisbon is a top investigator with no time for playing around. Every scene is about how exceptional each of them is, and how much fun Patrick Jane is, and how much that annoys Lisbon. The episode's mystery is solved easily and is simplistic, and every scene about the mystery is used solely to showcase the character traits and to explain Jane's backstory. And by the end of the pilot, you love everyone on the show. The Mentalist ran for seven seasons. Fox's Lucifer had the added work of explaining the supernatural aspect that the devil is the something weird, and yet 15 minutes in, We know about his powers, his motivation, his disdain for his old life, and that his leaving hell is causing issues for God and other religious beings. We also know that he actually cares about people, and that he has an insane amount of money, and that he just wants to have a good time and always gets his way. We know that Detective Chloe Decker is a tough, no-nonsense cop with an embarrassing past, a complicated relationship with her ex, who is also a detective, and is trying to overcome a recent failure as a detective. Fifteen minutes is all it took to get back to focusing on building character bonds. And of course, by the end of the pilot episode, we love them all. Lucifer ran for five seasons. In every version of Something Weird and a Lady Cop Solve Crime, The focus is always the characters and their relationships. The crime or the mystery is just the thing they're doing while they create those bonds. In later seasons, there will be episodes where the main two characters don't even appear so that the supporting cast can be the center of the show. The supporting cast will also have their own problems that cause issues within the team. And if the show is successful enough, everyone mentioned in the opening credits will, at some point, be near death during a multiple episode arc. And you will care so much because these people are your friends. These shows, first and foremost, are about making you connect with these characters. This probably says a lot about me. This is my favorite genre because out of necessity, the characters need to be interesting, likable, and more importantly, They need to feel like they would accept me into their group. They're friends who would want me to be their friend. I will always relate to someone on the team, and I will believe that I would fit right in if I were that person. And it's this knowledge that allows me to know that I'll enjoy the next show that's about something weird and a lady cop. No matter what. I mean, that's not always true, of course. I do like good writing, and that has to be present. But for the most part, this type of show is helmed by people who understand what this genre is actually about. The mystery isn't going to be great, because the mystery is never the point. The people who want to write a crime show will write a crime show. It will be complicated. It'll throw you for a loop. You will have 
trouble figuring out all of the answers. And when they give you the answers, it will all wrap up nicely because it was a well-built mystery. At no point are you going to go, well, that doesn't make sense because they are focused on building a good mystery. People who want to write about circumstance are going to write about what's happening in the character's world. They're going to describe to you what the events of the story are doing to affect people. It's going to be how this evil zombie horde is forcing people to do strange things. It's going to be about the circumstance and not so much about the people. But the people who choose to write something weird and a lady cop solve crime, they're interested in the human condition, the intricacies of human interaction, and the exploration of relationships between diverse people with separate ideas when they're forced to coexist. These shows are a shiny, glossy veneer over what it actually means to be connected. Which is the other reason I love these shows. They're joyful. Even when the show's about murder, it's still light and fun. The cinematography is brighter. The shots are wider. There's always levity to break any tension. They're hopeful. And ultimately, they believe that people are good. There isn't enough TV lately that takes this stance. But since we already have to suspend our disbelief to accept the something weird, we can't be asked to be sad as well. That's the balance. That's why nothing terrible happens to the main cast during the first three quarters of season one. We're just here for a good time. We're supposed to fall in love with everyone and be happy to see them every week. The writers can't make everything gritty and upsetting because this show is about bonding and building relationships and building characters you like. If you want gritty and upsetting, you're going to watch a show that's about circumstance and setting. We'll talk about circumstance and setting some other time, but just know that with these shows, you're safe from losing a character you love for at least 10 episodes. These shows aren't the best TV. They're never going to win an Emmy, but they are familiar. They're safe. There's room for risk down the road when you spend enough time with them and the characters are designed for you to want them in your life. These shows aren't actually about crimes, murders, or the supernatural or double agent spies. When I was asked what my favorite genre of TV was, I said something weird and a lady cop solve crime. Because I know that when I sit down to watch one, I'll be spending time with characters I'll love, characters I'll admire, and people I want to have in my life. I moved around a lot when I was a kid, and my entire life was basically the pilot episode and first season of this type of show. I show up in a new town, I know nobody, and I try to quickly form bonds by being interesting, funny, and likable. The people I meet would be two-dimensional because all I would know about them is that they liked the same music as me, or they played the same sport as me. We would have one thing in common. And by the time I would really start having relationships and bonds with people and really seeing them for who they were and they knowing who I really was, it was time to move and I'd start all over again. This is my favorite genre of television because despite the murder and the mysteries, these shows tell me that it's possible to build new relationships with new people. And if I'm lucky, the show will run for many seasons, and I'll get to see what that kind of relationship looks like when you have time for it to grow. Our theme music is provided by Double Experience. You can find the track Bill Murray everywhere you get music. 
And my ability to take time out of my week to make this podcast is supplied by my supporters at patreon.com slash nerdincorrect. If you support us on Patreon, thank you. And because you do, you're listening to this episode a week before anybody else. And if you want to be part of that club, head on over to patreon.com slash nerdincorrect where you get early access to all our podcasts, an exclusive podcast, and so much more. You can also join our Nerd and Correct Discord server, The Incorrection, where we can discuss in more depth everything I talked about today. If you want your question and or comment about today's podcast featured in next week's episode of discussing the adventures we have from inside the house, you can drop it into our podcast-specific Discord channel or comment on the Patreon post of this episode. All of the comments on the Patreon will be featured, and if possible, as many of the Discord comments as well. I'm Tim Riel. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next week as we discuss more of the adventures we have from inside the house. I'm uncool, I'm the uncool that everyone's built, and that's alright with me, cause I'm a walking, talking magazine, we all know that nobody reads, but what's the use of words when nobody understands me, what's the point of trying to be someone that I can't be?